This episode is sponsored by Vorbos. Check them out in the description below. I very quickly got into to sort of PR, and I realised by by connecting with PR, it, that made the difference of us as being the most recognisable plumbing company in the world. Mm. When when I it was first toying with a thought, shall I get PR, shan't I? And and people, you know, you say to me, you know, why are you doing this PR? Why this? Why that? Well, you know, again, I learned, you know, through the years from from my market manager. He said it's called recognition. You need to get recognised. Said you can be the best company. Best plumber, best products in the world, but if nobody don't know about you, mm. it's pointless. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think brand identity is obviously such a huge part of Pimlico Plumbers. I mean, if I ask anyone I know from any background or any age, name a plumbing company that's not Pimlico Plumbers, they'll come mm. up with nothing. But everyone knows Pimlico. It's the Nike. It's the Apple of, of plumbing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it went tremendously well. But you know, I'm starting off. I haven't got a clue about PR. Someone mentioned it to me. Yeah. He said, "Who does your PR?" And I'm saying, "What you're talking about." <laughs> you know, I so say you've got to have PR in you. Yeah. And people often the questions ask me all the time, you know, how good is PR? It's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I afford PR? Can you afford not to? Yeah. I mean, I don't know successful companies that don't use PR. And as a starting off base, you do your own PR. Yeah. You know, you do your own social media. And, you know, as you move on in time, you, you if you're gonna employ a professional at it, then you cracked it. We were absolute press whores, you know, would be in absolutely anything and everything. Yeah. Can can I actually just take a quick second here? Because you dropped an absolute gold nugget when we were um having one of our legendary 6 a.m. conversations about a month ago. And it, it was just, it was such genius that I thought I have to remember to mention on the podcast. Can you please go into what you did with the guy who was writing the articles? Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. This is honestly, this is amazing. I haven't had this. This is such a beautiful little golden Wait, nugget. I think we're talking about the same thing. Okay, so just because you said about being press whores and that came straight back, yeah, up, I have to make him say that. So there, so startups.co.uk is the industry magazine publication for startups, and every um, month or every week they'll have a spotlight, a founder spotlight or a startup spotlight, and it's always the same questions, right? Um, you know whatever the questions were, who gives a shit, right? Uh, There's like 10 questions, yeah, always yeah. the same. And I also happen to know that journalists, by and large, are very lazy. Um, or maybe I shouldn't say lazy. They're, they have so many deadlines and these, so, so much shit they have to churn out now because of the state of journalism mm. in this country and, and abroad, that if you can write an article for them, you've just like made their day. So this same same uh, journalist was writing the same article like every single you know week, and so I was just like, and it was over Christmas time, so I was just like, look, you don't know me, I'm founder of Pouch, I've answered all your questions, here you go, and she was like, cheers, thanks so much, and then like the next day we were like the spotlight on Startup Secret UK, yeah, and then. The BBC guy was like, "Oh, I found out about you." <laughs> Start <laughs> okay. How great! Yeah, yeah, that's a good piece of advice. Solve yeah. a problem. Do do their yeah. job for yeah, them. Yeah. Make it easy for them. And all, I would say, all she had to do was just push a button at yeah. that point. Yeah, she. That's literally. I think that's all she did do. And I think she. You know, I, I had this image in my head of her getting stressed over the holidays and this like email coming in. And yeah, going, oh, thank God. You know, um, uh, but we did a lot of things like that. We our P. Well, we did all of our own PR. Yeah, and um, we. Um, some of it didn't scale, but some of some of it really did. There was this great resource, it's, and I'm pretty sure it's still around, called Response Source, whereby most journalists will, if they're writing about a topic, 
um, will just that on this platform will say, I'm, you know, from the Daily Mirror, and I'm writing about, you know, money saving tips, mm. right, and then just puts it out there. And then usually PR companies who pay for the service, who represent, you know, you know, um, what was that Martin Lewis thing called? Uh, money week, money, whatever. Money like, week, somewhere. I think I don't know. Uh, let's say you know re represents um, honey or whatever. Um, then the PR guy will go, oh great, yeah, we'll um, we'll participate in your article if you need an interview or you need you know um, a quote or something like that. And so we just did that all the time because we managed to shoehorn pouch into any topic. I mean, I was literally talking about Brexit in some cases, like, you know, whatever, like founders, Brexit, anything that linked back to our website yeah. and optimized our website to conversion. Yeah. I was like, if you put a fucking link on this article, I'll do whatever you, whatever yeah. you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that we, we were in lots of different things we were in. Um, but we also, what we managed to do is, um, yeah, again, shoehorn ourselves into the places we didn't have much business. So obviously money saving tips is like straight, straight in our wheelhouse, you know, e-commerce data, kind of like shopping behaviors kind of in our wheelhouse as well then like fashion well we work with fashion retailers and like you know oh according to pouch you no know, this summer collection is that kind of shit anything mm -hmm. you know and i think it became one of those things where we were just in so much stuff and um you know I'm sure it drove everyone crazy as well. Like their LinkedIn's were just got clogged up with yeah. all of our bullshit. Mm. But I think I do. I do think that that all helps, and it's all free as well. You don't have to do anything to yeah. do that. And helping out journalists and then being the go-to person then is a feedback loop whereby they get in touch with you. And sure, you know. we launched in May 17 um, at like a trade show. Um, but word of mouth kind of works. I remember like May we were doing like three, four thousand pounds, and then it was like seven. And I'm like, oh, this is okay. Um, but then we found a digital marketer and that was the point that where was everything kind of changed. Okay. I think the cool thing about growing with word of mouth as well is that like, especially if it's a skincare product where it's so results yeah. focused and, uh, and so measurable, you know, people's skin is either improving or it's not. I think to grow by word of mouth is pretty amazing because it means like that's the best testament to the product that you can, that you can really have. Yeah. We look at like, if you look at like our first click or last click data, it's always Facebook, Google, blah, blah, blah. And we did a survey for, with, I think it was 5,000 of our customers in February last year or February 21 or something. Um, and like 50% of them had come to us through word of mouth. Wow. Like it That's was, insane. It was 50%? Yeah, it was wow. crazy. Or they'd heard about it through. And it was mainly like salon referrals or your dermatologist or your friend. And usually it's like your barber. Hmm. And it's normally they find out about it because they'll go to their friend like, oh, you look good. Like you look more confident or something mm. and then like, oh, well, i've been taking this stuff and then that's kind of how it trickles in yeah. um so our community and like we we call them absoluters um that's that's massive for us like that's mm. that's the thing that makes acac is our customers really so so when you got your your uh, kind of brand officer on board then that she said was, was the turning point for the business in what in what way what was the what was the, the impact of that you mean uh, getting Tash on board, the yeah. marketing? Yeah, of course. So it's weird, actually. We were a three. So me, Brad and Maxine. Tash was a three. They worked out of a shed in their back garden. We worked out of Maxine's well, family home. Um, and we didn't know what to mark. Like, we had no shoot. Like, we've never done a photo shoot. All the products we're taking is from, like, the original branding that we did. Um, and that also was a key learning point. Like, we'd approached a company... Uh, 
in Shrewsbury, where, where I live, um, and said, like, your branding's great. Like, how did you do it? And they were like, we had a really bad experience, wasted loads of money. These guys are good. So we use a company called Source in Shrewsbury. They're ace, still use them today. Source. Source, yeah. Um, quite a small company, um, but we have, like, a great relationship with them. Yeah. Um, just, so, just for anyone listening, is that source as in a source you might put on food or source as in the source of the problem? The source of the problem. Got it. Yeah. And the solution. Um, so we only had like the images, yeah, of like that they'd create from like our original brand shoot. So we didn't have any videos or anything. And Tash was like from Bolt Digital, who are based in London, actually. It was like, you need some content. Like we can't sell your products. You've got no content. Like we were pushing you know, subscribe and save, like a picture yeah. of a sachet, yellow background. They can get in Canva by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not even Photoshop. No, no. <laughs> okay, cool. I've learned Photoshop now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so you guys, you can launch a company with Canva. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can do it. Yeah, now. Although um, Photoshop's ideal. So Tasha was like, look, you're going to have to create some content. So we're like, okay, we'll film Maxine. We'll film her doing, you know, she's very, she's very passionate about um, women and basically just doing your own thing if that makes sense mm. um so like, film film we're talking about what she talks to me about anyway like we did a video where we literally videoed her driving and talking because she's better if she's relaxed okay don't give her a script yeah yeah no just let her talk um well, we did like a day in the life it's so cringy i look back and what i used to do in the morning is i grab my laptop and i go sit in bed with my mum right at like seven um and we did that every morning like with a cup of tea and we just sit laptop. yeah um, so Tasha was like, we're going to capture that moment. So you've got this video of me and my mum's side bed on a laptop. So my friends are like, do you see with your mum? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, not what happened. Um, but yeah, we just created some content that we thought people were going to like. Mm. And it was just real. Um, we actually, I used to sit there. I must have messaged so many customers and be like, will you do some videos for us? And that was back in 2017, like that. UGC was quite new, not mm. new, but like not. Again, for anyone listening, thing. UGC is user-generated content. Sorry, yeah. No, 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 it's totally fine. I'm just, I'm always conscious of anyone listening. Same with LTV, I was like, just good. So, that everyone so yeah, so we would message some customers who had left us positive reviews on like Instagram, Facebook, on our ads. So like, I do take this, like it's good. Um, and I'd be like, look, do you want to take a video of your experience? And we'd send that um, to the marketing agency. And that really worked really well for us. Mm. Um, and then I would also say like, do you want to post it on your own social? Mm. That was ace. That worked really well. Um, it's just about trying like new things and yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah, you gotta be motivated because there's so much, so much to do. Yeah, and I think UGC is a really is a really big thing as well because I think it's as you said, it's only kind of been around for a few years to that degree. But I think with the rise of platforms like TikTok, where the value of having a genuine person, mm -hmm. not someone in like a fake doctor's outfit or something on a, on a TV sort of ad commercial, having someone just in their bedroom on an iPhone camera being like, this product is genuinely a game changer, will sell so many more units than something that people can kind of, because I think people are more cottoning on, especially with the rise of podcasting. It's less formulaic, it's less kind of calculated and people are cottoning on more to the value of authenticity. So it's great that you tapped into it so early. Yeah, I mean, if we create like, a really lovely brand video, amazing, lovely. Put it on TikTok. Everyone's like, nope. Mm. <laughs> Don't try and do your pretty graphic stuff on here. Like, yeah, I just yeah. want real people content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But marketing, obviously, is marketing sort of more more my area, and I'm fascinated to know what you think um, as a business that's not necessarily sort of people and content driven. It's more business driven in terms of hiring. What have you found has been the kind of key difference between the initial kind of PPC SEO kind of era when it comes to marketing to now moving towards a more kind of content driven social media marketing landscape? Yeah, so we 
we were very laser focused at the beginning on the on the on the search the search side we did um we did a bit of testing on social media and a little bit of um email of course as well but um now yeah we've we continue to google search continues to be like our core our core channel but we do a lot more now on yeah TikTok and right. um, more more social, more content. Um, we've actually been, I'd say, like, as a business, we've actually done relatively little marketing in the later days, which is funny because they always say my, you know, as as you mentioned, my background's marketing, and they always say that the the business's weakness is the founder's strength, which is sort of you you don't hire around or you actually don't end up spending as much time on right. on that area. So we've um, now now we're actually this year looking at how we sort of actually grow more of our top line marketing and do more brand and social mm. and um, and that building side because we've always been very very focused on the kind of search pay per click and very. Um, but you know when you've got limited money and you're and you're trying to be like very um yeah very careful on where you're where you're spending it and mm. what you're doing with it um that the more marketing channels you're opening up and the more that you're kind of looking at the more you know it's expensive it it, it becomes and um so so I did actually find that that finding one thing that worked and really focusing on optimizing that before mm. moving to like the next kind of channel um was was quite an effective way of us like building up um building up yeah track. sure i'm a big marketing geek that's like okay. my thing and what i find so like amazing about this business model is the fact that obviously you have to pitch to the sites and the venues yeah. but once it's in the venue they get the foot traffic you've you've nailed so it. you're literally piggybacking yep. off their audience exactly that is so genius yeah it's so nice and so interestingly, there's two sides to this story. So the, the good side is that we don't have to like pay to get new people to use this thing. There's it no just, user acquisition. Yeah. It literally sits on the bar and people just go up and use it. And like it's su super weird going all the way back to the beginning where there was nothing. There's, there's people who've you know, either copied the idea or had the same idea, developed the same product and released it subsequently. And obviously it's more of a thing now, like it's five years on, et cetera. But even in that first venue, like I remember installing it on the bar in this this site in in, in Shoreditch on Brick Lane called The Big Chill. Still there, still, you know, it's still, still going strong. Um, but it, we installed it on the bar and people just went up to it and used it. And that was like the real light bulb moment for for me, like you know it was like this this thing is actually real people mm. don't need to be educated on how to use this thing they literally go up to it read the little backboard yeah. and it says download this app and then they do it and then they rent a battery and it all just makes sense like it's such a simple concept and yet you know somehow i guess you know because it's so simple people just got it immediately out the box um i guess the flip side of that you know good side is we get free free customers from them the flip side is we tried so many different different methods to like get more people to use it, like different marketing channels. We did so much rogue stuff. Like we we had like influencer marketing, we did paid advertising, like Facebook ads, also, you know, all the typical stuff, and none of it worked. Literally nothing worked on the on the marketing side. Um, why why was that? So I think the reason is in order to get someone at the point, like you need to get them when they're either in a pub or about to go into a pub or moving around and they're low on charge. It's so difficult to get that exact moment. Mm, yeah. You'd have to spend an absolute fortune to make an impact on it. Because also, are you just, are you advertising a nearby pub? 
So you're sort of thing. doing. You're sort of running an ad for a venue yeah. that you don't own. Yeah. So you're sort of doing digital marketing for them. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a really tricky one. The only thing that did work for us was promotion within a venue. So once yeah. they're already in there, you know, putting leaflets out on the tables, okay. all this kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. that does work. But to be honest, again, it's not really worth it for us yeah. for that extra maybe couple of rentals that we're getting for two pounds a rental. Mm. It's not worth us sending someone in, putting mm. loads of flyers up, all this kind of stuff. We tested it all. And ultimately, the best thing to do is just pick a really good site and make sure that they put it in a prominent place on mm. the bar. I probably have got one of the most, you know, purposeful brands, at least on the on the on the energy shelf for mm. sure, right? You know, we we carbon label or a B Corp. So the but I, I think it's just starts. You have to get the product right. Yeah. You know. do, do you think there's an argument for? Because um, I'm I'm really into that kind of stuff, and I was actually about to say <clears throat> I like that you're a B Corp, and I noticed that on the back of the on the back of the tin, um, or the with cam. Um, but do you think there's an argument from a marketing perspective to uh, market different parts of the brand to different people, i.e. to the people who you know are in sustainability, run some sort of campaign that emphasizes the fact that you're sustainable, to the people who just want an energy drink that doesn't have you know any crap in it, market it as an energy drink to those people? Or do you think it's more like we have a general sort of angle and we focus on that? Um, yeah, I, I think the latter is probably the best in the beginning. Um because you know you don't have the money yet to like you know look at those audiences mm. and find those audiences. Look, what what I believe in actually as well is like that kind of it's more you do that through the channel strategy. So like in our case, like you know Google was our way into offices, you know, so then people would drink it like as a you know office drink, mm. which was quite relevant for us because actually with Red Bull and Monster, I heard you know you know in the beginning people were like yeah I always have my Red Bull in a in a mug because I don't want to be seen with a Red Bull because people think I have a hangover mm, right. or, or like I don't want to be seen with a monster. So there's quite a bit of a shame actually around okay. energy drinks in the office space. So I didn't actually, know that. Yeah, so I can us, believe that. Yeah, yeah I can really. believe that. Yeah. Okay. So with us, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people do. So so with us, it's like you can be proud to be seen with this because it's B Corp. It's like, you know, so there mm. is this element that it all kind of w works together. Um, and we had another thing we did in climbing. So we, obviously we had like all our heritage in climbing. So we did it with a lot of bouldering uh, walls. So our first bouldering wall was, uh, you know, the climbing castle and north of uh, okay. London. Uh, it was all like a vegan cafe and a really cool climbing spot. That's where we, uh, was one of our first places we launched. Oh, cool. And now we're in kind of 90% of the bouldering walls in the UK. And wow. And drink there. So Interesting. I think find those communities. I'm a big believer in that. Focus in a community and kind of make it, big there what was the marketing budget if there was any and how were you kind of how much of the initial kind of customer traffic was kind of people just walking by and how much of it was you know through your own marketing marketing so methods? back then in 2016 i'm pretty sure there was next to no marketing it was, right it was literally word of mouth and that's how the business grew from a uh, a franchise point of view as well because one of the customers that came in that was interested in opening a shop so it, it was a word of mouth thing from the kind of selling pizzas to selling franchises um, which came along after about six months but there was no marketing budget um, I was the manager um, the cleaner the delivery driver everything mm. um, apart from the chef um, but funny enough thinking about it as we've grown yeah now we've started to implement a marketing budget because obviously we feel that we have to to keep up with the competition but mm. back then um, with the first store, second store, probably all the way to the third store, there was no uh, marketing budget. Yeah. Okay. 
It's all just word of mouth. It was word of mouth. Yeah. Obviously, you give people a good product. Um, you know, people people say that if you get a bad experience from a shop, you'll tell ten people, mm. and if you get a good experience from a shop, you'll tell maybe two people. Mm. So back then, the pizzas was good, the branding was good, and yeah, I guess people just told people and just repeat customers. So when you actually moved into the new place with the three floors and the seven rooms, um, at that point, are all of your clientele, is it still purely word of mouth or are you doing any sort of marketing at the same time? So we're still not doing many much marketing. Let's I mean, that's put amazing. It. That is incredible. Okay. That's insane. You know, yeah. Oh, we are planning. A testament to the product in a way. You know. Yes, but we are planning to because we're expanding into like US market and everything else going to be cellulite. I'm hoping to have a cellulite lay on every high street of the big of a capital exciting. around the world. Exciting. <laughs> wow. okay. So that's the plan. And uh, um, um, I think that, uh, you know, when we when we moved in here, we the space, there was still available space right and we needed to fill it fill the space and we slowly did it it's i think we took a stage some people get investors and they fill it up and marketing so the because we did it very slow we didn't have much money to spend on the marketing so what we did we get a a, a social media guy who posts who like i we create content content uh, the, just send it to him and he just posting on social media so just to uh, bring awareness but also like journalists come in and they they will like have a treatment write about so we like all we've been in vogue tatler uh women felt fitness uh, you name the magazine we've been in it right <laughs> yes also on, on the itv this morning you know on the national television wow. with <laughs> yeah, yes yeah. so and all of this is organic so i think itv read about us in Daily Mail and somebody just called up and said, oh, by the way, can we invite Tatiana for an interview? Literally like that. Okay. Wow. So, um, so we are not, and also influencers. So I think the way organically marketing is works n nowadays, it's influencers. So if you get influencers, which is, fits your business. So it's not everybody who has any amount of followers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you get a nice influence. It could be 20,000. You can probably get more business out of 20,000 followers rather than one and a half million followers. Yeah, yeah. It's just what our experience, it's just what fits, what audience that influencer have, will they be interested in you? Mm. We offer them a free treatment and then they come in and then they post, but it's not contractually. Mm. If you like your treatment, you're welcome I see. to- uh, yeah. to post so that's it and but we I wouldn't we're selective with with that as yeah. well because we're limited to staff and limited power on reddit we see people all the time who'll be like where can i leave my stuff and someone will pop up and just say oh yeah i've used stashy before yeah. It's, yeah it's so nice that's compared to the nice days to when that yeah, was yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um but oh we've also now had times where like you're using some other service talking to their customers like a random SaaS or whatever software mm. service talking to their customer support and it's like by the way i love your service and it's like oh you cutie yeah can, we, can i yeah, have yeah. a discount um but back to when we were in person Selling. PPC um, was the key for the market. PPC was key. PPC yeah. and SEO over time. Right. Um, and so that it's still true to this day. Like the majority of our acquisition is people searching luggage storage in place. Uh, that and and now typical to travel businesses because all of them have this acute timing issue. 
um, referrals from other travel businesses. So that could be people managing Airbnb. I'm just going to say that could be anything from like your individual Airbnb host all the way up to like Airbnb kind of chains okay. within yep. Airbnb who run loads of properties. Also like theater groups, theater groups. Uh, stadium, we just started pages, working blogs. with Wicked, Wicked um, the musical theater, okay. yeah, um, really? Delphine Macintosh, so all yep. those. You the know. thing is, we say working, working is quite grandiose. It's like they it, put it, a link to us in the FAQs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's so simple and it actually generates so much money, like yeah. just like reliable money for the sake of just emailing them like, hi, put this in your FAQs, you'll get. 10% like it's so simple that's the great thing about having a business where you're you're literally I mean I guess listed is one way to put it but it's like um uh we had a company on uh, called charged up yeah yeah I love Hugo's model because it's literally like once you've got the venue the, mm-hmm. the traffic is built in yeah. the mm-hmm. main problem so many businesses have is trying to get that traffic and it's like do we do it through marketing do we do it through PPC or yeah. mm-hmm. social media and mm-hmm. that's great like having something built in where when you sign a client you also get footfall in a, in a way yeah, in yeah. some ish, ways he, in some ways he gets that better than we do just because yeah. the nature of the way people find his product there's like a sort of physical install sure, whereas yeah. with yeah. ours we put uh, stickers and stuff. We put stickers so you do get some of that. True. But at the moment, we're, we're very responsible for driving it through. The, the journey is more your inking right. station. You search for this thing, you book it, and it shows you where to go to the shop and drop yeah. it. Yeah, we so would love to capitalize more on that. What's your favorite brand and why? Oh. So my, my answer to this is it's Red Bull, right? Um, and the reason why I love Red Bull, similar to what I was saying earlier about the idea that... Um, and you're into sports and stuff. Into sports. I, th- I was thinking yeah. you were going to say Red Bull. They, 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 they facilitate like a dude jumping out of a balloon out of space, right? <laughs> like there's some really cool things that they do. And, and every great sportsman and woman um, tends to have a Red Bull helmet on. That's how it works. And so um, th- that's incredible. But the reason why I love that is because I just think it's awful stuff and I don't drink it. And, and that is what, <laughs> as, a, as a brand building nerd, like... This is the stuff that I geek out on. So the fact that I, I hate the product and I can still love the brand is is like doubly good. So that's that's that's, that's my go to answer. I uh, I wanted to touch on the marketing side of things mm. because I think there's a very interesting perspective about the healthy food community, which is that it is typically you know you think a place like Waitrose or Holland and Barrett, and it is typically it feels exclusionary. I think to a lot of people that it's going to be too expensive. Whether that's the case or not, how have you navigated through that from a marketing perspective in terms of finding customers? Do you stick to a certain range? Do you try to make it as broad as possible? How have you tackled that? Is, is so the question is about the kind of the accessibility side, right? How do, yeah, yeah, about the accessibility, and then also how you apply that in terms of the kind of customers that maybe you seek. Yeah, so interestingly, um, health and wellness is a, a notoriously expensive industry, meaning that it often is the case that you are you do get your kind of your your yoga goers, your Pilates goers that can afford to do this, right? People that live in London, right, yeah. can afford mm. to live and spend on healthy food. And to be honest, when we started, we didn't know who the customer would be. We kind of assumed that may well be the customer, right? The kind of the people that could have that genuinely afford it, even though we had the savings. What we soon found out um, by kind of understanding the market a bit more and understanding what we were doing is that there's this whole heap of people today in the UK from many different income brackets, you know, various different income brackets, postcodes that you just wouldn't even kind of expect or, or believe that for one reason or another, and it usually is kind of a very strong reason, they will shop and look for healthier products. And you know, you've got your conventional kind of, as I say, your yoga or your Pilates guy, but then you've got these pockets of people that they might even have diabetes, they might have cancer, they might have a gluten intolerance, they might, mm-hmm. for whatever reason it possibly could be, they're making better choices for their life. And that really kind of varies in terms of the income bracket. And they became quite fast, and it's still to this day, they're our strongest cohort customers, right? So we really did have to make well easy accessible or as accessible as it can be to many other people, which is why early on we introduced this match membership program. 
So for every member that signs up and pays the membership, we actually sponsor a free one for an NHS worker, low-income oh, families, okay. students, teachers, oh. or armed forces veterans. So that that's was a really, kind of that's our a really way. nice touch. I love that. So that was our way of kind of thinking, look, we'll give you the savings as a member. We'll make the money from, from the other people that can afford it for now. Mm. And then you guys get this year for free to kind of explore it by, you know, when you like. And not by any means do they buy as often as other people, but they still have access to, to do so. So that's definitely one way. Um, and then I think, yeah, you're right, like curating the range, right? You quite, It's kind of a blend between you want to have specialist products that are quite hard to find elsewhere. That's the value of us. People come back for those products. But you also want to have products that are kind of healthier switches to what is the convention. Yeah. So your organic milks or your plant-based milks or your coconut milk or your pastas or your rices, right? And making mm-hmm. those swaps easier. So having good savings on those products has allowed us to have more people that maybe come from different income brackets, et cetera, to afford those products and, and kind of place the order for those shops. So that's really kind of who the, the, the customer demographics are. But of course, we still have a very strong, you know, quite affluent London-based community that are into their yoga, into their health, just the same as anyone mm. in this market. But we've really tried to stick to those two two groups. I started a company called Justwears. We are a direct-to-consumer brand creating the most comfortable un- underwear yeah. for men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, With an interesting strap line as well i saw <laughs> do you want to just do you want to share what your strap line is for the business there's quite a few palace oh, are there? The phallus. okay fine that's one that is a painter palace for, for the phallus, phallus. Yeah, i love one. that yeah. yeah and i think the underwear your balls deserve i think was the other one wasn't it oh yeah that's that, that one. is actually the first one I come up with is it okay and um, so the difference it's not just an underwear right yeah. um it's actually an underwear it's a pouch underwear. Okay. There was no one was doing that in the market before, before we come up with the idea. And we think about, okay, what is pouch? How do we expand the pouch? And it's like, oh, it's like a, it's like a palace for your crown jewel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And starting from there, we're playing around uh, and eventually it's like, oh, actually, palace for your pal- palace for your phallus is so much better and yeah. so punchy. Yeah, yeah. And another one is... Uh, our brand mission is be humble, but okay. have balls. Yeah, yeah. Everything about balls jokes, we can go out. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. So it's never ever an awkward moment in the office yeah. then, basically. No. Just Nothing like inappropriate. Say, as a comedian, this is already going to be the hardest podcast <laughs> I've ever well, I'm, I'm going to have to work so hard <laughs> to not <laughs> to take this seriously. Yeah. It's amazing. At the Honest. end, all I want you is your balls with thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. And at the end of it, then, exactly. Then it's a win, right? Then that. it's a win. Do you have any, uh, do you have any thoughts on marketing? Hmm. Especially Ma- what type of marketing? Well, I guess I'd say, you know, my inclination is to go towards social media because obviously that's where, like, you know, content is king and all that. But I also feel like because it's so saturated with TikTok and Instagram and everyone understands kind of copywriting more than they used to. Everyone understands, like, narratives. and But as you said, it's so saturated. I mean, I... I don't use Instagram that much, but when I do, I get all sorts of ads for clothing companies and stuff. And some of them look dope, and some of them I'm like, you've just taken a, an edgy phrase, put it in French or something, and now yeah. it's like a fucking hype brand or yeah, something. Exactly. There's a million yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't understand necessarily how brands could stand out. Is, you, is your content mostly product based, or is it more like inspo based? Or? So, so we have we have content pillars. You know, we we center around education, education of boxing, obviously products, trying to show the products. Um, throwbacks in terms of like old history boxing yeah. um, but the key all, it all comes back to value add you know how can you add value to community you can add value to community by educating them yeah um and yeah if you are a fashion brand then yeah you just need to show the product in the fashionable way right um but my thing is all about the niche you know and the community you're trying to serve so the content if you rather than thinking about the end result of the content think about the intent behind the content which is how do you serve how do you grow that community 
you're going to do that for education. And what if you're trying to educate that audience, but you're not necessarily getting the traction that you would hope for once you're putting that content out? I challenge whether or not you're actually educating them then. Okay. Versus just saying something which is so generic, which doesn't actually, they don't learn from. You know, we're going through this at the moment. We used to be very, very heavily, heavy on education and talking so much, so much about boxing history, but it almost went the other way whereby we looked like a boxing page, what we were before we launched. So we had to try and rein things back into like, all right, let's focus on the product now because our brand needs to be about trying to make sales and so on. Um, but it almost went too far the other way. So literally as of yesterday, we were deciding actually, guys, you know, I was, I was at boxing last night, had a half an hour conversation about boxing and... Um, we stepped away thinking, fuck, yeah, I can go in deep about boxing now. Like, why the fuck are we not talking about this? This is interesting. Because people would stop in the gym and they'd, they'd join into the conversation because they yeah. found it interesting. And we're now going to go, not the complete other way we were before, but just a bit more premise so around, yeah, the education factor. So, listen, we haven't nailed it. I haven't nailed it. Mm. I'm not the best marketeer. Um, I know boxing. I know how to talk about boxing. That's mm. what I'm good at. You know, I'm not the best at doing content for the purpose of trying to sell products. Yeah. 